Hey, Forge family. We were together last week, episode number five, in which the Apostle Peter was writing, preaching actually, to the believers scattered up on that road that runs from the Mediterranean to the Black Sea up through the center of Asia Minor. Tradition says he and his wife ministered up that road. They had relationships in those fellowships and churches as they moved through, and now he's writing back to them. And for the second time in chapter 1, he uses this word, foreknown. The word means chosen, designated beforehand to a position or function. Now, in the case of Jesus, he was chosen out before time began to be the Redeemer, to be the Savior, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we, likewise, were chosen out before time began to be the elect, to be chosen out to be part of the kingdom of God. Now, in both cases, that choosing happened in the council of heaven. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit chose Jesus to go. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit chose us to come into the kingdom of God. Now, Peter notes there's been significant progress made amongst the believers along this road that passes through the, uh, <clears throat> the five different Roman regions in Asia Minor. They were like Roman states, if you will. <clears throat> and, um, and he said, you, you've made substantial change. In obedience to the word of God, you have been led to start to love one another you know, from the heart, brother to brother, you don't have to be. You don't have to fake it anymore. You're not feigning your love. You're not having to put on a mask or hold your nose or whatever it was that you did before to kind of go. Oh, it's good to be with you, sort of. Now it's really true. It is good to be with you. Now he says, go on, go on, keep going, love each one around you in the body of Christ with the love of God, you know, because that that's going to be the selfless the sacrificial and the passionate agape love that flows from heaven by agency of Holy Spirit to fill us up to love in that way that only God can love. And all this was anchored down because he, he concluded his, his first chapter by saying, the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the same word that was preached to you. So Forge family, we want you to get this. So we're going to begin to pray, and we're going to begin chapter, excuse me, episode number six here. We're going to pray uh, as we start this. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for the changes that are happening inside of Forge Church. That's an answered prayer. That's a wonderful thing. Lord, thank you that, that scattered across California and out into the world, wherever the sound of my voice is heard because of the technology here of this podcast, there are others as well who are receiving this and reading this and rejoicing in the scriptures. Lord, we ask you to make this real to our hearts. Help us hear it, but hear it down deep. Not just whoop in an ear and out the other, but hear and then down to the heart and apply it in Jesus' name. Amen. So read along with me, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. 
So in these verses, it, they begin with the word therefore. And, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but the reason that word is there is for you to look back, to reflect backwards. You ask, what is that? What is it that it is there for? Okay, you turn back, and again, we're called to love one another, and and we're drawing, being drawn into living with this abiding word of God. And therefore, we can say, with Peter, what, what does Peter say? He says, get stuff off of you. Drop it. Literally cast it off. Strip it off. Okay, and he starts with, with five things. Three times he says, all malice. And then he goes and he shifts and he says, all guile. And then he goes, all slander. So, you know, he's trying to say this is an encompassing exhortation. This is, this is he's commanding this stuff. He's saying, therefore, get it off of you. And the word for malice is really drawn from the Greek word kakos, which means evil. You know, it's all wickedness. It's practically speaking, the, you're expecting the worst possible response from others, and you act accordingly. Okay, that's malice, where you set out to get somebody before they get you. Now, secondly, he says, get rid of all guile. Guile is a baited, craftily set trap. Okay, it means literally to catch with bait. So if, I, if I've got a mouse in, in, in my garage, you know, I'll use a slice of, a little slice of ripe pear or maybe some peanut butter or something like that to lay the trap. Okay, what, what, that's in the natural. But, but Peter's saying here, get rid of all that sneaky, deceitful baiting of traps to ensnare and to catch somebody else. Okay? Thirdly, Get, get rid of it. Strip this off. Get rid of the hypocrisy, the judging down from behind the mask. He used that word previously in chapter 1. Okay, where you're saying one thing and you're doing another. You're role-playing. Get it off of you. Fourthly, all envies. It's because it's plural. It's not just envy, it's plural. You know, and that, that has to do with appearance, where you envy someone's appearance, their resources, their experiences, their relationships, their opportunities. You know, some, you know, more than a decade ago, you know, maybe 15 years ago now, um, my sons were coming into adulthood and um, uh, they, they had earned some things. Um, it wasn't just straight up gifts. They'd earned some things. And so they were driving cars and they were, um, uh, they had, they had talents and gifts and abilities and they dressed in a certain style. And all of this, there was a young man who was in ministry about that, with us at that time. And, and I remember in an unguarded moment, it, that guy blurted out, um, I, I wish I was part of the Patterson family. Now, that could have been said in a lighthearted way. But it wasn't said that way. It was said with envy. It was said with, oh, man. You know, kind of that in his heart. Okay, so... So Peter's saying, get rid of that kind of envy. Or you, you judge yourself against somebody else and find yourself lacking. Get rid of it. And then lastly, all slander. Literally means to speak down on someone. To defame somebody. To, you're lying. You just flat out lie and say, oh, well, you know, there's this about them and that about them. That's not true. 
but you're speaking against someone. Now, this business of stripping off, I mean, I, I saw on television not long ago um, a series uh, of someone who was preparing to run a race, and I think it was probably the Spartan race that Reebok sponsors, and it's, uh, it's grueling, it's for the ultra-fit, etc., it's both men and women. And it showed this, this guy who was in training, and he knew he had to run, you know, seven miles uh, at, a, at a substantial pace. But along the way, he had to uh, climb over and jump over these obstacles. Then he had to pick up a log and run up a 45-degree hill carrying this log and run down the back and drop it and run down the backside. Pick up a bag of rocks and run, run through the marsh, run through, run through this mucky, stinky stuff. You know, have to lift your legs and go slow and not fall over and not have that bag of rocks drive you into the muck. And then he comes to the place where he gets down on his belly and crawls on in the sand under the barbed wire, gets out of that and has to dive in and, and kind of get through this slurry of mud and horse manure to get to the other side of the slough, gets out just streaming filth and runs. And then he has to jump over the fire and climb the last, uh, you know, the last uh, obstacle, and, and cross the finish line. When he gets there, he stinks. He's covered with filth. And everything inside of him says, get me to the showers. So when, when Peter says, all right, brothers and sisters, you strip this stuff off. You know, this the kind of stuff, this malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, slander, get that stuff off of you as if it's as filthy as it really is. It really is filth. Get it off. And then verse 2 says, like a newborn child. A breastfed child. Chapter 1, verse 23 says, you, you're new ones. You're born again ones. You're newborns. Okay, You're to crave, desire, and long for the pure, unadulterated, simple things of the word of God. Peter says, Crave the, the milk of the word. Because when you're filled with that, and you're filled with that, and you're filled with that, you will grow regarding your salvation. In verse 3, he continues, he says, If, literally it means since, and it's since this has happened with surety. It's an absolute thing that's happened. Since you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Okay, So he's speaking with some assurance that the people he's writing to have had that taste. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is excellent. It's not just good. It's not great. It's excellent. Now read with me verses 4 and 5. Second, excuse me, First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And, and, so he's continuing, he says, And coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
Now, here in this passage, Paul, excuse me, Peter, Peter lumps all these metaphors and these images together. I mean, he's, he's got preacher's disease. He's got a lot to say, and he says it all at once. Okay? But in the natural, there's no such thing as a living stone. You say, well, I saw Tolkien. I mean, you know, I, I was watching The Lord of the Rings, and there were living stones. And, you know, but the point being, con- computer-generated animation is not reality. Okay? In the natural world, world, there's no living stone. But remember, please, back in Acts chapter 4. Actually, it's Acts chapter 3. Okay? Peter and John go up to the temple to worship. And that was the manner of the, of the early followers of Jesus. They would go into the porticos, they would go into the, into the, tent, the courts of Solomon along the edge, and they would gather every day to hear the teaching. They would go to worship. They'd go to say, thank you, God, for what you've done in Christ. And as they come in through the gate called Beautiful, there's a man sitting there who has been lame since birth. Congenital damage. He's got withered legs, but he's positioned there. It's like having a taxi medallion, okay? He's been given the right or the robe or whatever marker there was on him to say this man is legit. He's not just a homeless guy in the corner saying, hey, anything helps. You know, I'm traveling, I'm on the road, I'm out of gas. You know, this man had a place and he was there every day because the alms that were given to him by worshipers supported his family. So it's the text says he was looking with expectation at Peter and John. Like, okay, what's going to come out of your pockets, guys? Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus the Nazarene, walk! And he commands the man to get up off the ground, and he does. He stands up. And it says there was a mad scene. There was a rushing together of, of the believers in Jesus who were in the, the Solomon's porticos in, 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 that, in that courtyard out there and unbelievers yet, you know, Jews who were coming to worship. And it, it, it created a crowd of people that were astonished because they all knew who this guy was. He'd been there every day, every day, every day. Every time they went to the temple, there he was. And Peter plays the role of an evangelist, and he preaches to them about what has happened and the power of God through the risen Christ. And chapter 4 starts this way. It says, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, remember, these are the guys that didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead, okay? The Sadducees came upon them as they were preaching, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed. So in the crowd who'd heard the preaching, many who'd heard the message had come to Jesus. And the number of men came to be about 5,000. So it was no small crowd. Okay, And it came about on the next day that their rulers, the, the rulers of the Jewish people, the elders and the scribes, 
were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. And when they placed them, meaning Peter and John, in the center, they began to inquire, By what power and in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. So apparently it was Peter, John, and the man who was healed that were held in custody all night. Verse 11 continues. He, meaning Jesus, he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you may be saved, healed, and delivered. So Peter, early, early in his preaching, was drawn to use this illustration. And, and it's drawn out of the Old Testament Psalm 118, verse 22. I mean, it got him. It captured Peter's heart. And so he talked about this stone which God quarried and was precious to him and was to be set in the dwelling, you know, the, the, the establishment of Israel was examined by these leaders and rulers and rejected. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, this living stone rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. Okay? Jesus is a living stone. And then he turns and he says, you also, you also are living stones. Okay? And so you come to him as a living stone and you're being called to being built up into a spiritual house, a dwelling place for a holy priesthood. And then he gives the reason. Why? Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, now note, spiritual sacrifices okay, are not blood sacrifices. Those are all Old Testament things. Those are all covered, handled, prefigured, and dealt with in the death resurrection of Jesus. Okay? However, the text of Scripture repeatedly says of us, and it's inferred here, we are all priests. Let me say it again. We are all those who stand before God and minister to God and stand before the people and minister for the people to God. Okay, we stand in this interesting place between the lost and God. Okay, there's no laity. We're all priests. There's no laity. It's not clergy and laity. Okay, we're all priests. There's no laity. There's no observers. There's no anonymous attenders. 
Let me read you the words of R.J. Uh, Rush Dooney, where he, he's a man who's a scholar that looked very hard at what God did in the Reformation period. He says, The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers was of central importance to the Reformers in attacking the validity of Rome's doctrine of the priesthood. The only earthly priesthood after Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension is the priesthood of all believers. The church is led by a ministry, but it is a congregation of priests. So in the Old Testament, priests served before the Lord in two basic kinds of sacrifices. Okay? We've been called to make spiritual sacrifices, so look at the Old Testament. You learn from the Old, look back, you know, bow and look back. That's what we do. Okay? There, were, there was atoning and non-atoning sacrifices. An atoning sacrifice, atonement simply means to be brought back together. The price would be paid in full and you'd be restored face to face. You'd be made righteous. Your sin was cleansed. You know, the penalty for sin was taken away and you're restored as a worshiper to a right standing with God. That's what atonement does. You're made right with God. Okay? There were atoning sacrifices. Those were paid for by Jesus, by his shed blood, death, and resurrection. Our full atonement and our full restoration to God has been paid for. That's done. That's not part of our responsibility. That's done. The non-atoning sacrifices that those Old Testament priests ministered to, one was the grain offering, one was the peace offering. Okay? And those were offerings that were made to honor and give thanks to God with a worshipful gift. It expressed thanks to God. And then it was followed by a meal shared with family and friends. In the new covenant, in other words, what Jesus instituted with his body and his blood. Okay, now we're ready to talk about spiritual sacrifices. So first, and it's familiar with you, is Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Brethren, by the mercies of God, I plead with you, I beg you, present your bodies, your all, as a living sacrifice to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay? This is a statement of saying, Lord, everything I have, everything I, I will have, everything I, I, it's all yours for life. You offer yourself to him gladly, joyfully. Secondly, the second spiritual sacrifice that I was able to discover is the sacrifice of praise and the sacrifice of, of thanksgiving. They, they kind of go hand in hand. Okay, Hebrews 13 talks at length about this. But these spiritual sacrifices of the body, of, the, of, the, of praise and of thanks, etc., they, they are offered in an attitude of obedience, humility, and, and reverence. Okay? And, that, and then lastly, there's this act of, of loving service for, the, for kingdom people and for those who are going to become kingdom people. So um, yesterday I was in Costco and I ran into a pastor from San Mateo County who was running out with a large birthday cake. He was late for a party 
And so I sort of moved with him toward the door, and I heard a bit of his story about what's been going on. And he and his congregation partnered with a church out of Los Angeles to go into a, a city in the East Bay that's known to have many thousands of Muslims living there. And they, they've pledged together. There's a group of, of ministry leaders that have pledged to end Bible poverty in this town, which means they're going to go door to door and give each household a Bible. And then they're going to go to the streets. They're going to praise. They're going to worship. They're going to listen for directions. Then they're going to go to the streets. And I, I talked to this man as he was heading out the door with his birthday cake. And he says, oh, yeah. And in three hours, we led 20 people to the Lord. Well, that's cause for praise. That's cause for thanksgiving. Look what the Lord is doing in the Bay Area. Okay? Again, attitude of obedience, humility, reverence, and thankfulness. Okay? Now, obviously, these sacrifices are to be acceptable to God. This past week, uh, one, of the, one of the folks at, at Forge... Um, sent an email through that said, um, gosh, found a lump in my, in my breast. Uh, her mom had had breast cancer. And that sent a shot through that family and a shock. And so there was prayer. But then, you know, the, the logical thing here is to go, oh, God, oh, please. Ugh, come on, Jesus. See, at that point, that's where the sacrifice of praise enters in. Because the sacrifice of praise has nothing to do with circumstances, with my health, with my finances, with whatever. The sacrifice of praise says, Lord, you are worth my praise. You are worthy of all my love. Yeah, this isn't about me. It's about him. And so praise was lifted up as well as supplication. But, you know, we got an initial good good report back. We're going to watch and see what happens here. But with that was the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving that went up. Now, um, there are some sacrifices in the scriptures that were offered um, that were not acceptable to God. This is, you know, in some senses we go, oh, okay, so I, I can learn how to do it the right way and then I ought to learn how not to do it how to make sacrifices the wrong way, okay? Because Saul, for one, chose to try and substitute an offering instead of obedience when he was told to take out the Amalekite nation. And he had lots of excuses, but ultimately he, the Holy Spirit departed from him and he lost the crown, Okay? There were offerings to placate and manipulate God, even to this day. You know, you talk, hear people saying, well, if I do this, God, if I do this for you, if I lay down this part of my life, if I give her up, if I give him up, then this is what I kind of expect in return. You're negotiating with God. Now, get it, people. You're not on equal footing here. <laughs> okay? That is, that is not a sacrifice that's going to be acceptable to God. You know, lastly, there's the, you know, David talked about the sacrifice that costs him nothing. When he went to acquire the threshing floor on top of Mount Moriah, upon which his son would, 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 would build the temple, it was offered to him for free. And he said, no, I'm not going to give God something that costs me nothing. And so he, he recognized that sacrifice is what 
is, is the operant word. Okay? And sacrifice has a cost. So Forge family, brothers and sisters who are hearing this and who are scattered abroad, Peter calls us to drop the attitudes and drop the actions we grew up with that were slimed all over us, that were created to us. Peter says, get them off of you. Strip them off of you. They're contrary to love. You know, and then get into the word. Be filled with the word and filled with the word. Go back, you know, it's, it's the simple things. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's, that's the milk of the word, okay? Those words aren't in the text of scripture, but they're derived from it. And it's that kind of simple truth that says, got it, get it. Okay, that opens the door for us to be built into his dwelling place. He's part of the foundation and we're living stones built up into this dwelling place for, for, for priests who minister to him. Open the doors for these joyful sacrifices and service services that are laid out for brothers and sisters and for those yet to come into the kingdom of God. All right, Forge, you're priests. You're atoned ones. You're living stones. You're being built up. You, know, you are called to offer your bodies and your minds and your attitudes, your obedience, your, and you're called to act in humility and reverence so that praise and thanksgiving and loving service and the offering up of your own body, perhaps even unto death, is all done from the sense of, here it is, Lord, this is all yours. And I rejoice to lay it down at your feet. All right, Forge, we'll see you soon. God bless you.